everyone, it's Paul Ward here and welcome to another edition of Farm Talk. I'm very excited today. We're going to be talking about honeybees and making honey here in Ventura County. Our guest is Larry Pender with Jubilee Honey. Welcome to the show. Well, good morning. Thank you for inviting me on. This is going to be a exciting day. You probably got some questions for me that I haven't prepared for, but that is okay. It's all part of the fun. Yes, it is. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors the escrow hub and the money store. Thank you so much. So Larry, tell us, how did you get into beekeeping? Very interesting story. When I was about 11 years old, my dad, we owned a, uh, my parents owned a fish market and seafood business in Santa Barbara. And he liked bees and wanted to buy a few beehives. So when I was about 11, he bought five beehives from a guy as a little side hobby. And by the time I was 16, he had about 300 beehives as a very busy side hobby growing up in Santa Barbara mm -hmm. and it was for him it was a little diversion from typical business so I went out with him and we collected swarms and we put bees and beehives and it was a nice little side business mm -hmm. but when my um, my uh, parents had some challenges with that business in Santa Barbara if anyone remembers there used to be a freeway that went through Santa Barbara that had four stoplights on it and when they went through the process of eliminating those stoplights, it affected my parents' business. Okay. So when my dad was in his early 50s, he actually transitioned from a little part-time beekeeping business. Him and his brother bought another commercial beekeeping business out in the Ojai Valley area. And so I had worked along with them over the years and different things when I was between positions or something. So in uh, about 2002, uh, my wife and I took a bunch of money out of our savings account and started buying beehive equipment. I did not go into business with my dad. I started a separate business, but we partnered on a lot of projects together at that time. Okay. And it was a uh, it was an adventure. It was, mm -hmm. uh, well, actually, it was very interesting, and it was a good suggestion that my dad made. A, a mutual friend that we knew had a large beekeeping operation between Minnesota and California at the time, mm -hmm. and um, he suggested, "Hey, that friend Bruce needs some help in the winter time. Why don't you go work along with him and?" Get a few, make a few dollars to as you're building your business and get some experience with a large commercial migratory operation. So you went to Minnesota for a while and over three summers I went to I went to Minnesota in the summer. In fact, my daughter was let's see she was born in 2002. So the summer of 2002 when she was about six months old, we drove across the country. Uh huh. We spent a summer in Minnesota. <laughs> So you learn a few things driving out to northern Minnesota. For anyone that's ever seen the movie Grumpy Old Men, yeah, you will find out as a documentary. It, <laughs> it is not a, it is not fiction. Right. It is a different world out there. That's funny. And uh, they say, well, let's all meet you out on uh, the ridge, and you find out that means the road goes about two feet because it is very flat. Right. Northern Minnesota. There are no lakes. There's one big lake, Lake of the Woods, up there. Okay. But over the three different summers I spent up there. Um, between that, I took some of my bees up there one year, um, made some honey with them, and we're, it, when you're building a business and have no initial cash flow coming in, it was good to work with him part-time, make sure I didn't starve, Sure. and uh, got some good guidance. Mm -hmm. So when you and your wife took out a, a loan or some money out of your savings, I imagine you bought a few boxes, right? Mm -hmm. E-boxes. And we're sitting here amongst hundreds, oh. if not thousands of boxes right now oh, yeah. with the bees flying around. So how did that, how did that progress? I mean, you bought a few and now you've got... Well, we started out, I bought 144 beehives from a guy out of the, um, the Fresno area. 
flies just love me. See, it's because of the honey, I'm sweet. They just, <laughs> they're attracted to me. So I'm gonna have to deal with that. Um, we started out about about 144 beehives and then we um, split them up over the next year and added more beehives. And then we found places that we made honey, did a little bit of business, found a place to rent them to make some money from the almond pollination, made some honey, expanded a little bit more. We did just step by step over the years. Mm -hmm. That's why for the first couple of years, I worked along with this gentleman, Bruce, to make sure I paid the bills. And um, as we built our numbers up. Now, currently we have an operation where we run around 6,000 beehives. Wow. Got six full-time guys. Mm -hmm. And our business is different when, than it was original. Originally, I focused very much on the honey production mm -hmm. and a little bit on the uh, almond pollination because that's a good uh, revenue source. So for folks that don't understand, explain how that works. I mean, you're, you're, you're making money on honey, right? Mm -hmm. But you're also helping local farmers pollinate their orchards. Correct. They call you and say, hey, Larry, I need X number of boxes. I've got so many acres. Or you tell them how many boxes they should should use or Correct. kind of a combination. Correct. I'll step back a little bit. One of the things I noticed in the, about 20 years ago as we were building our bee business, the honey production is very cyclical and it's based on if California gets good rainfall, we get good honey flows. Okay. But as everyone is well aware of, California has been, the last 10 years have been on the drier side. Right. So it is harder and harder to make consistent honey flows here. Mm -hmm. What we originally started doing to counteract that is uh, about 15 years ago, we started going to Idaho in the summertime. Oh, okay. Take our beehives up there, make some honey in the summer, and travel back and forth. What I've done here in Ventura County and Santa Barbara County is focus on the crop pollination. Okay. Which, the basics of crop pollination is you have fla flowers, male, female. You need a vector to move the pollen between the two um, the two sources. And what the bees are really good at are well, I'll back up a second. The honeybee itself is not the best pollinator. Bumblebees, there are some little flies that are the really good pollinators. But what the honeybee is, it's the best pollinator we can control where we put it on a farm. Okay. Like down here on the Guadalasca Ranch, they grow a lot of blueberries. When that, uh, right now they have some a small bit of their acreage that's in bloom with the blueberries. So we put about 80 beehives on those those small blocks now come October, November, and December, the whole orchard, the whole 120 acres or more will go into bloom. Okay. So we'll have 250 beehives out there at that time. Okay. And they, they pay us to manage the beehives to have them on their that crop. We do a lot of blackberries, a lot of raspberries. And the bees themselves, we don't guarantee to the farmer that they're gonna visit their flowers. Sure, there's no, no way to force the bee to go where <laughs> you want it to go. We make the best effort and then there's some side benefits of having the bees there. It's not just the flowers. There's something about the activity of the bees around the flowers. It's, it, it goes to a saying I've always told my kids, and they're probably tired of hearing it, but um, action creates action. Mm -hmm. And the action of the bees, the insect going around and through the plants, does something to strengthen the plants. Mm -hmm. And so what we've learned with a lot of pollinations, instead of waiting to the right when the flowers start blooming to deliver the bees, we like to deliver them three or four weeks before that. Okay. And they find that their production is a, is a lot better. 
in addition to the when you have a berry has all those little um, for all you people out there you see a strawberry a raspberry a blackberry they're all those small little areas and that means they need a, a lot of uh, pollination right but one of the things that also happens with those plants is if there's too much moisture in the ground they tend to exude more um, nectar and if that nectar sits on the outside of the berry a mold happens here in the uh, in our climate because the berries are grown in those uh, hoop houses right where they're typically about 20 degrees warmer than outside temperature and a double the humidity right so it turns into a thing called sooty mold mm -hmm. which they get rejected um, sometimes the farms can have a 30 or 40 percent rejection rate with that oh really but That's by hot. having the bees in there the bees will actually go up and drink up that syrup and it, it gives them a, be a better quality crop. And that's there. different than the pollination. That's different than the pollination, in addition to the pollination. Interesting. So you just, they get a, a quality fruit. Mm -hmm. Now what I do know in studies with the blueberries is they find that the more bees visit the flowers, the thicker the skin and the longer their shelf life is. You know, Paul, one of the interesting things is when you, um, not at our overall business, what we do, but when we look at the beehive itself, it is fascinating how they operate. And two basic things that the, the bees do is they have, they are biological unit. There's a queen bee inside and her job is to lay eggs. She'll lay about 2000 eggs every day. And the population of beehive typically in the January will be the lowest. It'll increase during the summertime, then go back down in the fall time. It's the normal ebbs and flows. But the bees need two main resources to live on. They need a protein source, which that is the pollen they collect from the flowers. Okay. So when they go out and visit these uh, flowers, which we call to pollinate them, they're there for their own selfish purpose. They want that food. Gotcha. And that protein source is what they feed to their young. Mm -hmm. Then they also collect the nectar from the flowers, which that's like for us our carbohydrate. Okay. And the extra nectar that they bring in they process, add some enzymes to it, and then dehydrate it to turn it into honey. Because once that honey's stored in their hives, it'll never go bad. Okay. So, and they do that to have food in the future. Gotcha. Of course, we're, of course, we're taking that for our own. Absolutely, Enjoy. because it's good. <laughs> I mean, it is really good stuff. So the operation hive, we call it a biological unit. Mm -hmm. There's the queen bee, all the worker bees, they uh, take some from when the queen lays the eggs to when they hatch out, it's about three weeks as new bees. So there's always a rotation of bees. And the last thing, if anyone's ever watched the bee movie, yep. it's not an exact depiction, but I remember the one scene where they're showing all the jobs that the bees do from crud cleaners to uh, collectors and protectors. Right. The, each of the bee goes through their life cycle and does one of those jobs. And the last thing in their job cycle is to be a field bee, which they go out of the hive and go collect things. So their their job changes over time or they're always, they're born a... Their collect. job changes over time. Interesting. And so that's the, 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 being a field bee is the last thing you'll see. So when you see a beehive and you see the bees flying out, it's about five to eight percent of that hive that will be out collecting. And those are the older bees? The older bees. So if you see 2,000 of those bees flying inside and out, that means there's 50 or 60,000 beehives in that nest. Wow. So it's a constant rotation. And how long does a bee live? It can be two months, it can be four months. Wow, that's a short life. Fairly short life. The queen will live for multiple years. Okay. Um, it all depends on how their uh, 
for the uh, for all those farm and insect peoples it depends on their protein levels and how good of all if they have good a good diet and good food they live longer poor diet shorter life so tell us about honey types okay each of the flowers in god's green earth create a different sugar molecule in their nectar the bees exude that nectar to attract insects to do their pollination everything has a purpose and each of the flowers, whether it be a raspberry, whether it be a, a sage plant, a toyon plant, or an alfalfa plant, they create a different flavor honey. In fact, one of the most interesting ones is the avocado trees mm -hmm. because it creates a really dark red and almost takes like molasses. There's a there's some people that absolutely love it and there's people that absolutely don't love it. Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? Yeah, the, the opposite, don't love it. Um, but your standard honeys, like your sage, is a very mild flavor, very light color. Um, orange trees have a very dis. It'll be the honey will look similar, but have a very distinct flavor of the orange of the orange. What you'll find here in California is we get a lot of specialty honeys. I mean, for someone here in Ventura County, if they go out to Bennett's Honey Farm in Peru, they have the tasting of the different flavors. Right. If you go up into Ventura to the honey store there, same thing. They have all the different flavors so people can try and find the right one for them. Mm -hmm. um, the farmer's markets, I know our friend Diane, she sells here at the uh, Camarillo Farmer's Markets. She's typically the wildflower. They always offer samples because even the wildflower or the sage year to year will taste a little bit different. Depends on how much moisture comes down. Right. How and how the uh, bees put it together. So right. It's kind of interesting. How how is the industry changing with climate changing and farming changing? What do you, what, what changes do you see? I mean, I imagine over twenty years you've seen oh, a yeah. lot of changes and future changes in store. We had um. The whole bee industry over the last 20 years has had some huge changes. And the thing that affected us first was we have an issue with this thing. It's a, called a Varroa mite. The bees could handle the Varroa mite somewhat. But what happened is when a mite or a parasite bites your skin, it opens up a hole, which then lets in virus, uh, unknown viruses. And so we had a, a kind of a synergy reaction between that. And it took 10, 15 years for the industry to figure out ways to manage that. Prior to 30 years ago, you could figure one employee for every thousand beehives. Wow. Now we're at about one employee to every 600. Okay. Because the workload to manage the mites and manage those work details has basically doubled in that time. Interesting. All related to the mite. All related to that mite. My answer to a lot of people, well, what's causing problems? D is D all the above is the answer. <laughs> and it's not any one thing. Um, the bees can handle certain, just like our bodies, we can handle a certain amount of things around us. Sure. When some, when there's a um, overload in the area. So if we let our, the mites get out of control, then it creates problems. They're always going to be there. Like, they're like fleas and mosquitoes. They're always going to be there, right. but we have to, man we have to manage them. Is it easy to become a beekeeper or would, or like if somebody wants to be a hobbyist and have a hive in their backyard, is that a thing? Yes, it is. There's actually a fair amount of people that get one, two, three or four beehives and become a backyard beekeeper. Uh huh. It can be actually very enjoyable. I know when I was a kid, we had eight beehives in our backyard. Okay. And it was cool to go out and watch them. If there's a the honey flow going, the, the smell of nectar in the backyard is really cool. Um, for anyone that's watched uh, um, like an observation hive of a beehive or an ant farm, they're organized and so people like 
doing those things. Um, there's companies, national companies that you can mail or somebody can mail order boxes from. Uh, there's a, a friends of mine, Keith and Danny down at the Valley Hive on Topanga. They actually sell all the parts for people that want to become a backyard beekeeper. And what about the bees themselves? Can you sh get them shipped to your door? Or how yes, does that work? you can. Well, you can get packages of bees, which means about three pounds of bees, a queen bee and things shipped to you. Typically, uh, people like to come pick them up. Uh -huh. We put together about 40 or 50 of them for different people in the springtime. They come by and pick up small little beehives. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. I don't, it's not a focus of mine. Sure. I let uh, Danny and uh, uh, Keith handle that down there. They buy a few from us. Um, another company, Brian's Bees, out of, um, out of the Thousand Oaks area, they do specialize in a lot of removals. But he has customers that want to buy uh, what they call a nucleus hive, and so he supplies those for them. And those so, folks have their own honey supply and give it to friends? And Sometimes they have a honey supply. That's one of the things that's always surprising is that, um, that the, um, you don't always make honey with a beehive. It depends on which area, where you're at. Okay. The people that do work in the neighborhoods, like in your backyard, you can, typically you will make some honey, which is very nice, which is nice because it's from local around where you're at. Right. Yeah, Ventura County is um, wants to, from what I, I've been to some of the um, agriculture planning uh, committee meetings, and they would like to have allow people to do the backyard beekeeping. I wish they would just keep it simple and write a say follow some rules, but they want people to register, so. I don't have to agree with what my, my, my county is doing, but at least they're in the, they're wanting to al allow people to go enjoy the hobby of beekeeping because it is, for some people, it's a, it is a really nice diversion mm -hmm. away from your busy work, life, you go work with God's, one of God's creatures and you, it operates different than us as people. Right. And you can also enjoy the fruits of that labor with the honey, some honey that comes off, off from them. and learn how to manage them. So where do you see the future of beekeeping, future of the industry in general? I see a very good future with the beekeeping. There's one of the things to keep in mind, Paul, is with the, the farming industry as a whole is all, always rotating and moving. Mm -hmm. And as a businessman and beekeeper, I have to keep a pulse on how that's moving. But let's start with the whole, the beekeeping industry as a whole. People like honey. Right. So people are going to pay for that honey, which will entice beekeepers to go out and find a way to make that. I mean, that's what the industry is generally based on is honey production. I have friends that have large honey operations between Minnesota, North Dakota, Texas, and California, and they, they move three or four times a year. They actually have multiple places to operate because... So they take their boxes and on a truck and... They pollinate almond trees in California in February. Right. Then they go to, in March and April, they go down to Texas because beautiful weather to uh, take 10,000 hives and turn into 20,000 beehives using God's natural duplication process in Queens. Right. And then in June and July, you go to the Midwest where the clover and alfalfa fields are blooming. So they move up there and make that. And then they take them back down for wintertime. And it's, it's a regular rotation. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's... Um, one of my friends, uh, the Mitchells here in uh, Ventura County, they have uh, Blue Ridge honey. They've focused on making honey in Ventura County, and they made some good honey this year, where last year we didn't. they didn't make any honey because of the drought. Oh. So you have to have your business focused around the lifestyle that you want to live. My businesses that I have 
have to work around my life. They're, we, the profit that we make from this business is to sort, support my family and live if we want to travel and do things we want to do. Sure. Other beekeepers have the same situation and they have to find the route, when I say the route, how to move around if they're going to make honey or do pollination and have it work for them. Like I know the, the Mitchells have never wanted to travel to out of state mm -hmm. like I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did it because we, as we grew, there wasn't the room to make the honey here in Ventura County. So we traveled up to Idaho sure. and it had a lot of enjoyable. Don't ever go to Bear Lake, Idaho. It's a very bad place. Not, <laughs> it's a beautiful lake up there, but the beautiful areas in the summertime. Yeah. In February is below zero. So sure. that's why we're, we're back down here. Yeah. So. The, the future of the industry, the, the industry will always be there in some format. How it's going to adapt for us depends on what happens with a lot of the crops here in Ventura County. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've noticed in Ventura County is we are having less raspberry crops grown here because they're growing them more down in the Baja. Okay. But the uh, acreage of blackberries is going up. Mm -hmm. And that's for, I, I've learned, I like to understand and visit with the farmers that we deal with so we know why the crops, why the changes. The blackberries don't handle the truck, the driving to market like the raspberries. The raspberries can handle the trip from the center of Baja up to California to market. Okay. Whereas the blackberries are a little more delicate fruit and they can't handle the mileage. So they need to be grown closer to market. Um, the blueberries that are grown in this community are grown because we have beautiful weather in the wintertime. We can harvest some blueberries in the middle of December and January while Michigan is sitting there in a big ice box. Right. So they can, uh, there's some high dollar crops and you never know if those are going to change over time, but I always have to keep my kind of ear to the ground. What's, what's happening right? to counteract things like that. Like this year I picked up dealing with a, a seed company out of the uh, Santa Maria area that, uh, grows carrot seeds, celery seeds, onion seeds, and broccoli seeds that then they sell to the farmers to grow their crops. So, so you know, it's coming. We hope to, hope mm -hmm. to stay on top of it, but there's always going to be a rotation. So we just have to uh, stay nimble. One thing growing up in the restaurant and seafood business, my, one, the biggest challenge I saw my parents face is when that freeway construction happened in Santa Barbara County. Right. Is they, <clears throat> you cannot pick up a restaurant in two days and move it somewhere else. No. It's a very expensive proposition. One of the reasons why I got into the beekeeping business is I can pick up and move my business very easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, this year I got a call. We needed, they needed 800 of our beehives out in El Centro to pollinate seed alfalfa. We hire a truck, we load it up, they deliver them. It helps everybody out. Yep. So we have the, the mobility is, can be very good. Now for anyone thinking about getting the beekeeping industry, I would, uh, Highly encourage you to work along with someone, same as I'd encourage someone if they wanted to open up a restaurant, go work with someone a little bit to find out the realities of what, what the, what the work is. Sure. Yep. Doesn't, doesn't help to, doesn't hurt to have experience before you, you know, jump in by yourself. That is correct. So for our, our health conscious, uh, listeners and watchers out there, what are the health benefits of, of honey? The health benefits of honey are very interesting because it is a sugar. Mm -hmm. And everyone's heard that sugars are bad for you right? in some way. Like um, if you ingest straight sucrose, which is our table sugar, your blood sugar has a will not tend to, it'll spike up. 
What honey does, and the way it's made between glucose and fructose, it's a different structure sugar. It keeps a very even level, blood sugar level, as, it, as it's absorbed into your system. What also happens with honey, and this is a really cool thing, if somebody's new to moving into an area, um, what we always recommend is for them to get some a tablespoon of honey a day from somewhere within that region, 75 to 100 miles of where they're living at. Because what happens is, as the bees collect the nectar at the flowers, thing to thing, small amounts of that pollen, micro amounts, end up in the honey. So if they if they have allergies because they're in a new they're new to the area, yes, maybe that will act as a natural uh, allergy shot. Yeah, like an inoculation because what sure. what it hap what happens, Paul, is in the honey there's micro amounts of it. So if you take like we we have I have other friend beekeeper friends that will collect the pollen, mm -hmm. the pollen that comes from all the flowers is one is kind of, people would consider it a superfood because it has all the vitamins and all the minerals in that pollen. But if you if somebody has an allergy and takes a tablespoon of straight pollen, it's overload on the system. Interesting. So what they do is you take a just a scoop of the honey. They have small amounts on over a period of time. You build up an immunity to that area. So if somebody just moved to Ventura County I, and they have some small allergies, I would have them go to one of the local honey stores or farmer's markets, get some of the local wildflower honey, a teaspoon a day will help build those immunities to those areas. Interesting. Um, and if you want a superfood, you get, get the, collect the bee pollen. It's a little more expensive. Only a few beekeepers collect it. And what some people do with the bee pollen is they actually mix it with honey and let it sit for 14 or 15 days and it becomes what they call bee bread. And those the nutrients are a little more released outside, out of the pollen in with the honey, breaking it down a little bit. Very so, cool. It's good stuff. Uh -huh. I mean, it takes a, if you ever eat straight pollen, it, this, some of the pollens are a little bitter, some are sweet. It depends on uh, on what time of year and what flowers they're coming in. So, so the honey is good. Uh, I always, we put it on our hot tea. I actually put a scoop of uh, honey in my protein shake every morning. Mm -hmm. That's why people, that's why I always tell my wife I'm the sweetest guy she'll ever meet. <laughs> Girls still don't buy that one all the time, but I do get a few chuckles out there of it. There you go. Always good. Well, Larry Pender, thank you so much for being our guest on this edition of Farm Talk. We've loved having you, and this has been so informative and educational, and, and I'm sure our, our watchers and listeners are going are gonna to appreciate all that you had to offer. Well, I hope they do, Paul. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors, the Escrow Hub and the Money Store. And be sure to tune in next time for another edition of Farm Talk.